0: So We lead off in a way that I don't want to, JB doesn't want to, but unfortunately we're sort of forced to uh, under the circumstances of what happened on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed on this show, but we do go and try to promote the best of the division and the region, and we also are honest about some of the less than great moments from time to time. Last year, WestCon can attest to this at Westfield State because we did talk about the fight that ensued at the end of that game. And for it folks that, yeah, for folks on social media that think that we're sitting here trying to promote these things, no, we're doing our job. That's what we do. So on Saturday, when I was going to pan from the scoreboard to the field for the final kneel down, and by the way, clock operator, when it's 41 seconds left, maybe hold that uh, play clock for one more second when it's kneel downs going on, because we didn't need the final kneel down you started the clock at 41 seconds if you held it one second this may not have even happened okay so let's start right there let's move forward now to me panning over and I had actually missed the crux of the kneel down when I, my video got over there so it wasn't like I was trying to withhold something and we appreciate Cyril Par- Cyril Parham for, uh, from uh, Salisbury for putting the preceding uh, couple seconds out there for people to see because it shows yep. two things to us. It shows a right tackle. We're not going to run these clips here, folks, because you know what? Twenty-two thousand views later, this stuff is out there. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you have a right tackle kind of doing a "come on, bring it" uh, move, and then you have Colin Lama from Union actually bringing it on a kneel down and swatted away, kind of like fly at the end of the day because he had couple of big offensive linemen that basically swatted him back. Should have been done. We should have been done at that point. Everybody shake hands. Let's go. No. Jack Lanham decides to play. I don't know if he was trying to do the beauty queen wave or what he was doing at that point, but it was just something for twenty seconds or give or take if it felt like maybe it was shorter, whatever it was, to toward the defense, as if to say that was not a class move, Colin. And it wasn't. Okay. Colin should know better. And hopefully next year he does better. Uh, And then to the bench of Union. After that, Coach Beerman comes up to Lanham, shakes his hand, pulls him in, and basically says, from what I understand, congratulations, great game, but make sure you win with class. To which Lanham looks a little shocked because he sort of looked like he was trying to go back toward Beerman and say something to him at that point. Okay. We're done, right? This is, that's it, right? We're done here now. Okay, everybody shake hands. Nope. we got two teams that are still going at each other, and the referees who, with two seconds left in the clock uh, at this point, are trying to get in the middle of it and forcing the teams to separate sides of the field, or trying to at least. The clock does expire. They're still on the field. The NCAA has an issue with that, I believe, that they did remain on the field, but you know what? They're trying to do the best they could to prevent A real debacle from breaking out on that field so you know what NCAA don't you know ding them for that they nobody knew what the clock had on it they could have thrown a flag and stopped the clock and kept the game alive and that would wouldn't have been a great solution either so you know what referees tried their best there okay so when we hear about a coach that's upset that the other team didn't want to shake hands with the other team nobody had a chance to shake hands with the other team. That's okay. not
1: truthful.
0: Yeah, the, the video was pretty clear that nobody was gonna be shaking hands at that point because there was no nothing to be gained from shaking hands. Okay, teams go to their separate sides, or so we think, and then we start a dance-off in the middle of the field, heading toward the Union College team as they're going to their side. Salisbury, come on. I mean, if, if we really wanna just break out and dance, I'll come out there and dance with you and you'll see some really ugly <laughs> dancing next time, okay? <laughs> Just, just invite me to come yeah. out there, and I will make sure that you'll halt any future dance-offs at that point in time. Yeah. It wasn't necessary. And the moment in that video that I look at every time I see it, Coach Behrman's son, Finn, come, comes running out, grabs a union player, and pushes him back. Okay? A teenage kid understood enough that this was not to be done out there. And yet I have a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds in front of me that seemed not to be able to get it on both sides, Union and Salisbury, okay? This isn't a good look. The toughest thing for our job is to remember that we are always dealing with 18 to 22 year olds. We always want to say, hey, you know, look, Uh, Don't they understand? Don't don't they get it yet? I mean, they don't get they don't get no, they don't get it because they're still eighteen to twenty two year olds. Every year we get older, they don't. That's just a fact. And so what you look for is the adults in the room to stand up and do the right things. Coach Bierman, to his credit, went over to the huddle of Salisbury and to Coach Wood, shook his hand. Later on, told the told the team essentially, you've got a great team. Keep going in the playoffs walks away and Union's players start glaring over Salisbury's and Salisbury's players say go home. Now somebody's trying to say they were saying it to the parents who may have been getting on the team from the fence. I don't care who they were saying it to. It's Bush League. It's Bush League. When it gets down to it, the adults in the room didn't show up. Pat Bernardo, I will give credit to, because he actually went onto Twitter, found Will Bellamy's page. Will Bellamy had said something about the game, and Bernardo was basically saying, you guys are a bunch of gamers out there, and you know, great game. And it was a great back and forth. Kudos to both of those guys for kind of dragging us out of the fray. But that's where social media's goodness for the day ended, and the rest really wasn't that good. Because we have 22,000 views of a video, and I'm being blamed for this video, basically, because God forbid yeah. I posted it instantaneously after, you know, keep staying on it because, again, wanted to give Salisbury something to saying, celebrate. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Supposed to, supposed we, to catch the do. end of the game celebration, not the, the something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, you know, understand a couple things about social media. This is how actually we got close with Tevin Jones back one because I sort of had to explain this when he was going through a downtime. It's not your friend, folks. Social media is not your friend. So to the Salisbury players and any coaches that are out there on that social media, basically trolling union fans and union players, and uh, even worse, are you out of your freaking minds about what you're doing to your school's image? I have said it. Multiple times this weekend, Salisbury is better than that. I know them to be better than that for my 25 seasons of involvement in Division Three. And you are sitting there and absolutely tooling on your reputation by doing it. You don't realize it, but you are. And anybody that has responded in that way in social media, the head coach and the coaching staff should be looking at it, pulling them into the office and saying, delete it, and enough. And I wish somebody from Salisbury and somebody from Union would put out a statement or have said it in the press conference, essentially, we don't stand for this. This was ugly. We don't stand for this. Folks, social media, when you hit retweet with comment, you're retweeting as much as anything like a natural retweet, even if you're tooling on what's going on in that video. 22,000 views. Normally something I post is 300 to 1,000 views of D3Football.com does not retweet it, and they didn't retweet this, folks. You did that. You didn't like the video. You wanted to to try to save face somehow with it, and you ended up creating a mushroom on social media. 22,000 views. That's ridiculous. We're not going to add a view on this show right now or a bunch of views on this show to it because we want to talk about 103 points 111 points being scored in games. Yeah, yeah. But JB, what's your final thought on this before we go to the uh, real open here?
2: Just the, yeah, just kind of seconding the, uh, it would have been nice to see some of the adults in the room step up. There were even some other things that were tweeted at us, uh, you know, where apparently there were quotes from a press conference after the fact or comments from a reporter um, that basically you know said that, A union player took a swing at a a Salisbury player. The videotape proves that that didn't happen, Um, and so once again, not truthful. And for people to be reporting that out as fact, you know, and there were also uh, some attacks that, you know, well, you you guys only showed one side of the story. Well, we looked at both sides of the story, and I feel like we're trying to do our best job to report on both sides. And certainly, both parties are are a little bit at fault here to to some extent or the other uh but at the end of the day this isn't the kind of stuff we want to talk about but you just happened to catch it on on film and and post it and then like you said it kind of just blew up um i don't know if that makes it your fault or anybody's fault but it just it is it happened let's move on and uh hopefully when Muhlenberg comes to town we can uh we can act like we've been here before and just to have, you know, I know fo- I played football. I've been punched in the bottom of piles. I've had, you know, different things said to me from across the line of scrimmage. But once the game is over, just, uh, you know, shake hands and and, and head on.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, again, we looked for the uh, clip that Cyril actually posted uh, before he posted it. and We were glad he did. In fact, I interacted with yeah, him. He's he a great friend us, of for ours. Sure. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a great yeah, friend of ours from job. Wesley. Uh, before salisbury he he is a class act there i'm so glad he's landed on his feet at salisbury and they, they have gained a Definitely. great guy in having him there uh, as their sid there cyril thanks for everything you do for us otherwise it was a great day
2: yeah the only other thing i would like to, to send home is that i really
0: want to emphasize
2: what you mentioned before i mean uh, pat bernardo who was on the show one of the captains for the wesley defense that's how you're supposed to act and he's acting like a senior leader um hopefully the other kids on the team can learn from his example um definitely the right thing to do you know reaching out to the other team and and uh, giving them credit for uh being a tough opponent i mean they union lost but they still put up 41 points um it wasn't like they got shut out or something so um that kind of respect is what we want to see from division three players and uh, hopefully, you know, this is the last time we ever talk about this kind of thing on the show ever again.
0: Yeah. It doesn't matter if Union started at Salisbury started or whatever. At the end of the day, you're the home team, sure. you are the winners, you yeah. have a certain responsibility. And so does Union as a losing team and the visitor. Uh, I, I mean, just take a step back, folks, and do the right things. That's all we ask here, because we are in this together in Division Three. It doesn't matter if you're a private school, a public school, or something in between at the end of the day. Okay, we are all Division Three, and we always do the YD three uh, moments and whatnot. Well, here's YD three because we don't do that crap. We don't, and we don't endorse it. We don't support it, and don't get mad when a video of it shows up. Be more embarrassed by it and move aside from it. That's what we're trying to suggest here to everybody remaining in the playoffs. We have eight great teams in the playoffs one missing team that we've got to talk about here. It's time to talk about football on week 13 of In the Huddle. Okay, I'm fired up. Could you tell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me get down from my soapbox over here. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, JB, <laughs> that took a few minutes there, uh, but I, I think we needed That's to cover it. You know, Around the Nation sort of Nobody mailed it in with the Union to. game. Yeah, Around the Nation mailed it in with the Union Salisbury game, generally, it felt like. And so, yeah, I get it. They had to talk about Mount Union. They had to talk about a couple things on the other side of the bracket. We're going to talk about all those yep. games, too, we're going to show you clips, but... Uh, we sort of had it left at our feet to have to discuss, and so there it was. Okay, now we talk about football and move on, and holy cow, football. Uh, we need to probably Crazy. go almost directly yeah. into crunch time here, except, as always, I want to give you some words about the weekend of football. Not not the after stuff from football, but the actual football. Um, you know, two things we learned this weekend, I think, and maybe you can expound on this. We have a really tough team on the right side of the bracket from the CCIW and a team that beat them on the other side of the bracket from the CCIW and Mary Hart and Baylor suddenly to me is looking like maybe not a team that's going to get back to Shenandoah, Texas at this point in time because of what's in front of them or maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Go ahead. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me anyway, the weekend sort of played out like I expected other than the obvious uh, Mount Union uh, loss to uh, North Central, but even that wasn't a huge surprise. I f- felt if there was someone who could possibly do it, it was going to be uh, the Cardinals given uh, their quarterback and Brock Rudder, and they're just their overall team. Um, what an amazing game. I mean, I guess, you know, defensive purists probably didn't enjoy it. And there were times where, you know, I was thinking, boy, this does not look like the Mount Union defense that I'm used to seeing, Um, but it might just be one of those, you know, glass half full situations where the offenses were just so strong. Um, D'Angelo Fulford went out um, with probably the best statistical performance of his entire career. Um, And it's just one of those things where the the team who had the ball last, uh, or at least, you know, the, the when for. When the Cardinals finally needed to make a defensive play, because there weren't a ton, because they did give up 52 points, uh, they did at the very end, uh, making that interception in the end zone, avoiding overtime or possible loss if they had Mount Union elected to go for two. So uh, most of my picks, fortunately, were right. We'll talk about that later this week, Frank. Uh, But uh, this was one where... um, yeah, that was just a crazy game. There were crazy games kind of across the board. So uh, one of the more entertaining uh, Sweet 16s or Round 2s that we've had in quite some time.
0: If you see all these, these are clips, basically. Uh, we draw from box scores. We, uh basically stripped out our clips. This is the number of clips we're going to be running for you folks uh, coming up in crunch time in a moment. I will read one thing off here. Uh, and let me do it uh, impromptu. 42. Uh, let's see... 42, 42, 54, 55, uh, 62, 69, uh, let's see, 81, 103, and 111. So we went between 42 points scored in the Muhlenberg uh, Muhlenberg game to 111 points scored in the Mount Union North Central game. That is crazy that we didn't have defenses show up to that degree on both sides of the ball, at least in any one of these games. Okay. Obviously there uh, was some lopsided things. games. Well, lopsided games, we'll call it. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's at this stage, you would think that defenses would be showing up that, The first round games, you got a lot of teams that are, let's say, well, do they even belong there? Because they won their automatic bids and, you know, the the maritime effect and all that stuff. So, okay, once you get through that, you're in a round where everybody has proven themselves to be worthy of being in this thing as it is. But to see that many, or that lack of defensive effort from so many teams, ultimately, wow. So, this is going to be interesting next three weeks, including the Stag Bowl, which... We'll talk about some of the implications now of what it all means after crunch time. Let's go to crunch time for week 13, the second round of the playoffs of 2019. That was pathetic. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh my goodness. I was trying to
2: remember which hand was which. I was like, this is the one.
0: The
2: right is
0: okay, never mind. Yeah. JV, I love you, man. I really do. Cut Let's out, go here. That's uh, staying in just for the sake, but we're gonna go counterclockwise in the bracket, starting with the upper left in the UMHB. And uh, UMHB does win their game 48 to 6. Let's take a look at three clips here. First was a big midday, play. No, throw across the middle, John, John L. L. Reed, Reed in the wide open space. Across
4: <laughs> the 50, inside the 40, it's a foot race. Inside the 20, inside the 10, and John L. Reed is gone. That is a 77-yard pitch and catch.
0: Big game for Reed indeed. Uh, that is at 12.52 left in the second quarter. Ten minutes later, hey, how about Reed again?
4: One of two wideouts to the far side. Straight drawback by Hammock. Trying it again, looking to get the ball to John L. Reed. And Reed got it. makes the catch.
0: That time for 40 yards, and one minute, two seconds later, how about Reed back Again. a handoff,
1: straight drawback, and a throw toward the corner, oh, and nice the catch, catch
0: is made. And it is a touchdown. John L. Reed. That made it 31-0. to Thanks to John William for the uh, commentary on that, and it is a final 48-6 of the number two team in the country, uh, because we don't revote until the end, by the way. And uh, they outgained uh, Huntington by 523 to 327. Janelle Reed, 10 receptions, 253 yards, which I believe is a record for UMHB. Uh, he broke it after that third touchdown. Three touchdowns total. Tevin Jones, 11 tackles, two for loss in a fumble recovery. He's at I think 136 on the season now. What a tally for Tevin wow. Jones! So there is yeah. that game. They will be facing off UMHB against the winner of Whitewater Wartburg, and Whitewater was the winner. A lot of W's going on there. 41 to 28, but this really wasn't a game uh, for, for much of it. Let's take a look at Ronnie Ponick, 12 uh, yard pass from Max Mailer, uh, made it 14 0 halfway through the first quarter. And also, uh, let's go into the second quarter. nine twenty-one left there. I mean, they just poured it on uh, by that point. 31 uh, 7 is what uh, we had at that score, that point, uh, in favor of. Whitewater. Again, Warper tried to uh you know make things happen. A by the way, that is Preston X 67 yard punt return that you saw. Uh Warper try to make it a game, really just too little too late in this one. Again, it was 41-28. Uh they outgained uh or Warp, actually outgained uh Whitewater. I gotta make sure I say this right, 382 to 236 uh gail kaminsky had two of the four interceptions forced by the warhawks defense though again it's really that defense of the warhawks that seems to show up quick thoughts on the OMHB bracket right now
2: well i don't see any reason why uh the warhawks can't go down to texas and and win that game um i know that they will probably be a slight underdog uh but at the same time uh you know, Huntington's not really a team that that's going to be. You know, you write too much about. Uh, Forty-eight points is a lot. Certainly, uh, Reed had a big game, uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Warhawks hanging in there late in this one. Uh, Crusaders could be in trouble if they they don't get things a little cleaned up. They they can get away with it with teams like Huntington. But once now we're hitting this elite eight, it's a totally different story. And for the first time in a few years, I really do feel like the Crusaders are a little susceptible.
0: Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But ultimately, I agree with you 110% that there is no reason why they can't do it down there. Look, it's a team with experience. In terms of the coaching staff, that's still there. In, uh, in how to win games like these coming up. We'll see. Let's go to the bottom left bracket and we'll start with Central at Wheaton and the first quarter was pretty much all Wheaton worry at 14-0 when at this point it's Philip Nichols uh, cra- catching a 55-yard pass from Luke Anthony to make it 21-0 with 536 left in the first quarter. How about a story coming from this touchdown coming up in here four down territory, right now? So
1: play fake, he is again, he's deep. wide. He's got Burt McJunkin wide open, makes the catch at the 10. McJunkin, touchdown, Thunder! Burt McJunkin, the grad transfer from Texas A&M. Hadn't played, touch to, hadn't played football in seven years before he walked onto the team this year. And he makes the touchdown to put Wheaton up 27 to nothing. Yeah, that
0: was just seconds later, and to hear about the Texas A&M transfer, whatever you want to call him, who didn't play for seven years until he came back for Wheaton, um, Junkin. that's a story I really never had heard before, and that's an interesting one we'll have to look at a little bit more deeply at another point in time. But then two minutes later, Nichols again, this time a 19-yard pass play from Luke Anthony, make it 35-0 in the first quarter. The final of this Yikes. game, 49-13, Wheaton over Central. The yeah, Algain Central 474-253, five sacks, two interceptions by their defense, and Stone Watson with 100 yards rushing in a touchdown. Luke Anthony 265 passing yards and five touchdowns in that game. Then, how about St. John's at Chapman, 55 to 26? Here's really the story of the game. We're going to show you in the clips here. First, the end of the first half. It's St. John's leading 14-6, to six, and T.J. Hodge gets a 22-yard pass from Jackson Erdman to make it 21-6 to six with 13 seconds left in that half. There was a response by Chapman with 4.49 left in the third quarter, as you'll see Spencer Corona, a pass from Johnston McKinty, a 29-yard pass play, makes it 28-13, to 13. but then 10 seconds later, the first play from offense next, or the next play from offense for St. John's, Henry Troust... 70-yard pass from Jackson Erdman just flick, basically flicks out to the wing, and the blocks get him the rest of the way in the screen. It's 34-13 there. Final 55-26. St. John's outgained Chapman 646 to 413. Erdman with 458 passing yards and five touchdowns, and their defense with five sacks and 10 tackles for loss, three fumble recoveries, and eight pass breakups. St. John's known for their offense and having a trouble having trouble the previous week against Aurora defensively really shows up with defense against Chapman.
2: Yeah, and the uh, and the Sky champs certainly had themselves a strong season uh, early on in the game. It looked like maybe players like uh, you know James uh, Kistner, their 6'5", 250, or sixty pound tight end, might uh, you know help the help the Panthers you know hang in here. But eventually, you know for Every one or two Kiss Kissners that Chapman had, St. John's just has you know, a whole army of those guys on their sideline. It's just a different level. Um, and it basically proved itself out over the course of the afternoon. But still, you know, great to see, um, you know, Chapman hosting a game in the second round of the playoffs down there in Orange County. And so, uh, you know, certainly a great season for them. But Johnny's are moving on kind of like we thought.
0: North Central at Mount Union. Let's go there. Uh, there's no avoiding this one and uh, the number of clips <laughs> we're about to show you here. We are at 14-7 Mount Union uh, at the beginning of the second quarter. And 50 seconds into that quarter, it's Andrew Kaminsky, 11-yard pass play from Brock Rutter. They make it 14-14. But just 45 seconds later, Justin Hill receives a 65-yard pass from uh, D'Angelo Fulford for the touchdown. It's 21-14 at that point favor of Mount Union that whole back and forth situation continued but at halftime it was 38 28 in favor of Mount Union so a two uh, possession lead at that point minute and a half into the third quarter though Kaminsky again this time is 71 yard pass play from rudder to make it 38 35 Mount Union but again less than a minute later only a half minute later it's Wayne Ruby receiving a 66 yard touchdown pass from D'Angelo Fulford to make it 45 35 Mount Union Here's a big play, though, as uh, they got within one score again, did North Central at this point, 45-42, fourth and five of the North Central 30. Mount Union goes for it, and they sack D'Angelo Fulford for a 10-yard loss. He fumbles the ball, and it's recovered by North Central at the 40-yard line. So they avert another score by Mount Union, and here's where they take advantage of it with a minute 58 left in the third quarter. Kaminsky for the third time from Rutter. It's 49-45 after that six-yard touchdown play, their first lead that of the game, I believe, at that point. We fast forward, though, and they, two minutes later, get another score. Make that three minutes later, just about, as Brock Rutter runs it in from 10 yards out. Fools defense there, makes it 56-45 North Central. This is when people finally started saying, this is really happening, isn't it? And it really yeah. was, but hey, guess who? was still going to say some things about this. It was, in this case, Josh Petricelli from D'Angelo Fulford, a 12-yard touchdown pass to make it 56-52 North Central leading. Subsequent field goal made it 59-52 North Central. But here's a big play by the Mount Union defense, fourth and four from the Mount Union 40. Let's see what happens. Including Kaminsky,
2: who's been good all day, over the middle, high, incomplete are going to get it back!
0: Indeed they had a chance with 2.39 left. After that turnover on downs, here you go.
1: 2nd and 10 at the 40. Back to pass, he's looking for
3: something quick. Goes up top, it's high to Hill. He yanked it down, to Ruby actually! Loose, 20, Down and knocked down Wayne Ruby Jr.
0: A 50-yard pass play now notice the clock there's over two minutes left in this game we are going to fast forward in the goal to go situation they lost yardage and had a penalty that pushed him back to the 17-yard line it's fourth and goal from the 17-yard line with seven seconds left they ate the clock up to that degree here is yep. the final play Goal at the 15. fulford back pressure's on he's dropping back farther and farther lobs it up picked in the end zone, the Raiders have been
5: upset at home in the second round of the Division III playoffs.
6: Tommy
0: Highland, yeah, Just unbelievable that they did it. Uh, they deserve it, by all means. It's not unbelievable that, you know, looking at the game, that there was some surprise during the game. This was just an all-out baller game by yeah. Central. By Mount Union. Unbelievable. There were 1,412 total yards of offense in this game. D'Angelo Fulford accounted for 688 of them with over 120 wow. yards on the ground alone. And he basically would have had four passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. Rudder with five touchdowns and interception uh fulford with the interception but it was the end of the game situation we'll talk more about this game after crunch time but 59 52 final north central advances on the bottom side of that bracket they're going to be hosting delaware valley who beat wesley 45 to 10. let's listen to some uh, audio with the video clips on this one we're going to start in this third quarter actually uh where we were at 17 to 3 at this point But first things first, Dan Allen and Daquan Bohannon had a little trickery for us.
1: It's going to be a trick play. Daquan Bohannon goes deep. It's got Dan Allen. Touchdown, Delaware Valley. Daquan Bohannon to Dan Allen on trickeration. It's 23-3, Delaware Valley.
0: So that made it 24-3, Delaware Valley. But hey, Marcellus Pack, he's a speedster. Watch this one
3: inside the pack he's got a nice hole 15 20. 20 by 30 look out 40 50 packs off to the races 40 30 20 10 5 88 yards touchdown wesley
1: marcellus pack
0: 24 10 that's what uh marcellus pack made it with that 88 yard run but with 13.05 left in the fourth quarter here's Delval.
1: To the right side of the formation, Fontana back, under pressure, hits, he's thrown inside, slant wide open touchdown, Delaware Valley, Dan Allen's third touchdown
0: reception of the day. And you know, trading blows, you have to basically score right away. Here is the problem on the ensuing kickoff.
1: 15-yard line, center field for Pack to the 20, far side 25, turning the corners, Packy is the 30, far side line still, he fumbles the football, and it's loose, and picked up by Delaware Valley to the 15, to the 10, 5, touchdown, Aggies, Delaware Valley, Rashik Harvard, and that might have done it for the, Wolver- for the Wolverines. In this-
0: that 25-yard fumble recovery, four touchdown off the kickoff, made it 38-10, to the final was 45-10, Delaware Valley, and Wesley... You uh, really couldn't hold on to the ball, it seemed like, all day, with six turnovers forced by DelVal's defense. Uh, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, and uh, including that fumble recovery for touchdown we showed you. Uh, tight end Dan Allen with six receptions, 128 yards, and three touchdowns, including the one we showed, and uh, one rushing touchdown as well. DelVal going to North Central. We'll talk about how that developed a little bit more in a second, but your thoughts on the gameplay we saw this weekend.
2: Well, as a a Val fan told me, it's time I have to put a little respect on the Aggies name. So definitely a shout out to them. They just appeared to be um, just better prepared uh, for this matchup than they were uh, back in in week two or whenever that uh, four overtime game happened. Um, Anthony Fontana looked real comfortable in the pocket, made good decisions. He ran when he had to to pick up yards. He passed the ball well. Allen had a big game as a tight end he created some matchup problems for the Wolverines and and ultimately this the ball kind of just got rolling in the Aggies direction and they never looked back so um, strong performance uh, by them and it'll be interesting to see how they go up against you know what's seems to be the giant killer in NCC I mean um, you mentioned earlier before when it was 2.39 left in the game just from based on 25 years of experience I was sitting there watching like Oh yeah, Mountain Union's got this. There's plenty of time. They'll come down and score. They'll probably go for two and win. But lo and behold, the the defense of the Cardinals made some huge plays down the stretch. Um, Mountain Union had a chance, but hey, yeah, sometimes the uh, sometimes the favorites uh, fall by the wayside, and that's what we saw in this bracket in both in both games.
0: Let's go to the salisbury bracket to end things here and we're going to start with me needing oxygen in the first quarter of this game on the sideline for the simple reason we had six touchdowns we'll show a few of them here uh first a minute and a half into the game leonard prue a 60 yard touchdown pass from jack lanham made it seven to zero but the response comes really fast about two and a half minutes later from will bellamy's arm to andre ross jr for 53 yards and a touchdown to make it seven to seven so at this point we're thinking this may be a game after all they trade a couple blows at 14 to 14 and then it's Michael Fowler with a 29 yard run with 417 left in the first quarter that made it 21 to 14 guess what Finn Duran got a 38 yard touchdown pass from Will Bellamy another receiver that you don't hear a lot from during the season and he shows up there as a union's been dinged in the receiving core a little bit and with injuries, etc., made it 21 21. But here's the problem ultimately, there are rushing touchdowns in the second quarter, two of them that lead up to this. So it was 35 21 before Shamar Graves' eight yard touchdown run with a minute 34 left in the second quarter. It was 42 21 Salisbury. So things escalated in a hurry. Still, Bellamy and Ross were not going to just die by the wayside before halftime with 20 seconds left. Look at that one handed grab. By Andre Ross Jr. at the goal line. They made it 42 28 at halftime. Coming out in the third uh, quarter, Griffin Beale gets a 22 yard touchdown pass from Will Bellamy. It's really a game now. It's 42 34, and the teams traded back and forth a little bit here until uh, the 10 minute, 2 second mark. Uh, again, Uh, There was trading still going on here, but Michael Fowler getting a 30-yard touchdown pass from Jack Lanham. It was like every time the union thought they were going to get a chance and get a defensive stop, Salisbury responds, making it 49-34 at that point. Let's fast forward into the fourth quarter. Five and a half minutes left. Mike Ryan Mofers 13-yard touchdown, uh, made it 55-41. He would add one more for a hat trick of rushing touchdowns. 62-41 final in favor of salisbury 103 points scored in that game congratulations to salisbury on that huge win let's also talk about the stats from that game before i skip ahead 1051 yards of offense in this one and will bellamy set the school record with 456 passing yards five touchdowns the salisbury defense three tackles for loss two interceptions and a forced fumble did change the game a little bit here and there at least took away in a momentum for union Rockport just had a bad go of it against Muhlenberg 42 to 0 Muhlenberg beats the Golden Eagles let's look at a few touchdowns let's look at the first four touchdowns by Muhlenberg all in the first half first Ryan Curtis catches a six yard pass from Michael Nekowski to make it seven to zero to start the game three minutes into it actually uh, eight minutes later Here's Mitch Daniel from Nakowski to make it 14-0, a 17-yard touchdown pass there. Another 17-yard touchdown pass. This time, again, Ryan Curtis from Mike Nakowski with 12:24 left in the first half. It's 21-0. And then Chris Hilburn with a 10-yard touchdown pass from Mike Nekowski, a little theme uh, forming here, 28-0. So three different receivers catching touchdowns in the first half to make it 28-0. For Brockport, here's the story of their day. Fourth and three in the third quarter at the Muhlenberg 40. Jaleco tries to rush for those three yards, loses six yards in the play. Nick Sirico and uh, Dante Leonardo with the tackle of him there. That pretty much spells a miserable day for Brockport, but a tremendous season for them nonetheless. 42-0, second shutout by Muhlenberg in the playoffs after they did it to MIT the week before. The game Brockport with 367 to 184. And uh, Nikowski with th- 243 passing yards, five touchdowns. Code uh, with 19 rushes, 66 yards. Not the day he was looking for there. JB, those are the games. And that was crunch time for week 13, the second round of the playoffs. Okay, JB. Uh, first off, I didn't give you a chance to talk about the Salisbury uh, bracket and the gameplay we saw Saturday. Uh, why don't you uh, touch on that real quick? Well,
2: I mean, basically, I was just I was impressed by how Union went sort of toe to toe with uh, with that high powered Salisbury offense. Um, certainly, the you know Salisbury's defense is going to have to uh, buckle things up a little bit if they're going to be you know, taking on a team like Muhlenberg, uh, who with Hatnowski had a, another. Big game, uh, five touchdowns. Muhlenberg really shut down Brockport's rushing offense, which has really been uh, pretty prolific this year. So uh, if they can do the same thing to Salisbury, a lot of pressure is going to fall on Langham to have to try to find some open receivers down the field. Uh, Muhlenberg has had some success in in the defensive passing game, uh, creating turnovers, should be a great um, Elite 8 matchup between these two uh, top basically five teams and uh, with a chance to, to go into the Final Four.
0: So the um, uh, next show we're going to do is on Wednesday, and it's going to be the Tale of the Tape show that we normally do uh, with all four uh, remaining matchups shown in Tale of the Tape. Uh, So you'll want to be watching for that. Uh, We're not going to go that in-depth into the future games here. We're going to talk briefly, though, about a few things uh, going around the horn one more time. First off, uh, let's talk about the fact that Whitewater is visiting Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, Obviously, this was not a surprise that Mary Harmon Baylor was a clear number one seed, and so they will host this game. Um, And Whitewater might enjoy the fact that they are out of the cold weather for a day uh, because things have been, uh, if they're anything like they're in upstate New York, pretty ugly uh, probably in Wisconsin uh, weather-wise. But uh, no matter what, it's going to be nice and uh, decently warm probably in Belton, Texas for them when they go down. Uh, the question, or the interesting issue, I think, becomes the strength of Whitewater defense against the weakness of Mary Hart and Baylor right now offense, although they had a great offensive yeah. game on Saturday. Uh, one game does sure. not a trend make. And so we'll see how that lines up. We'll look at the tail of the tape on Wednesday uh, for that matchup coming up. On the bottom side of that, uh, or bottom bracket on that side, I guess is the right way to say it. We have... Uh, St. John's uh, traveling to Wheaton. And this Wheaton team, we're going to find out what they're made of here officially, I think, in this game because of yeah. the idea that St. John's is not a pushover team. They're only on the road because they dropped a game they should never should have dropped in the first place. I think we can all agree that that was just a boneheaded debacle for them uh, that maybe they learn from. I don't know. But the point is that uh, Wheaton's going to have its hands full. But we're going to see what happens here. But the thing we keep saying, and other coaches we're talking to say, wow, if North Central can beat Mount Union and Wheaton beat North Central, what kind of team is Wheaton? That's going to be a tough question to answer uh, right there. I'm going to give you the floor now. Let's uh, wrap back around to uh, Delaware Valley at North Central. Would you like to explain why North Central is hosting? I'll give you the floor to go ahead and do that.
2: No, because I was convinced that uh, the Val as, which finished in the third spot in the East region rankings uh, was probably a third seed and North Central, which was a four in the North. But you know, at the end of the day, um, regional rankings aren't the actual seeds that happens after the fact. And clearly for some reason, um, the way it shook out probably Due to geographic and other cost cutting concerns, uh, Del Val was not seeded as highly as I thought, maybe others thought that they would. So NCC gets the home game. And that's about it.
0: For those other so that, stuff, like criteria stuff, let me break it down. Uh, Delaware Valley had a 520 strength schedule versus 500 for North Central. They both went one one against regionally ranked opponents. Uh, the win uh, was against Stevenson for Delaware Valley. The win uh, for uh, North Central was against WashU, U, which was the three-loss team. Uh, the losses were obviously against Wheaton, the uh, number one seed uh, for North Central, and the loss for uh, DelVal was against Wesley in quadruple overtime, a team that they ended up beating Jeez. in the end. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting dilemma. Uh, I, I agree with you that I don't agree with the whole thing. Here, here's my philosophy on it. If Wesley was picked before North Central and Pool C, and we know that Delaware Valley was inextricably linked to Wesley in those East rankings because Union couldn't clear either one of them. So obviously, if you were uh, going to clear one, you are clearing both. So they were right there as like, three or two and two b basically uh in the uh, east rankings then how is north central ahead of del val even if you just ignore criteria and look at the reality of how things were picked because we don't think that north central went before wesley now maybe they did and if that's the case great but you know how we could have avoided all this guys you should have put union at number three or number two then that pushes DelVal down to number four, justifies the road game a little bit better in week one yeah. of the playoffs, and also allows us to know right off the bat in week three of the playoffs that they will be on the road. But you didn't do that, and so we end up with this whole questioning to the point where we're now going to say, release what their seeds are with it. I don't care how ugly certain games will look like, you know six versus eight or one versus three. We get it. There's a geographic limitation, but we shouldn't have to yeah. guess and wait for every Sunday to hear. Well, you know, uh, you know it's it's going to be them instead of them, and then they have to you know hunt down a reasoning for it. If we see the numbers ahead of time, we can't argue it later, can we? It is what it is. That's the problem yeah. that I have with it, and I got one more problem. Okay, yeah. <laughs> my my soapboxes uh, are never ending this week. For every. All right jerk face out there that is going to try to take pot shots at D'Angelo Colford in that game. Yeah, he had a fumble. Okay, we showed it. And he had the interception with people in his face. Okay, the offensive line kind of let him down on that one uh, at the end of the game. He accounted for 600 and what number of yards? 688 yards total in that game. It was one of the greatest performances by a quarterback, even possibly better than Rudders in the win that I've ever watched in football. So for anybody that wants to sit there and blame the loss on him, seriously, check in your football credentials at the door and don't turn back, okay? Beat it, yeah. I I may have had disagreements with D'Angelo over time. It's pretty clear to people that have watched this long enough. And he may think I'm a clown from time to time. I get it. But I'm never going to take away from somebody's football uh, acumen and ability, and he had a day. He had a career, okay? He had a season, if we want to go in between those two things. He is an awesome quarterback. Don't ever take away from that, folks. Is he the best amount of unions ever had, et cetera? Who knows? That, that Those things are so tough to compare because the game changes over time. But you yeah. know what? His name's up there. He definitely has all-time records,
2: in, I think, in passing yards and touchdowns or something. But, yeah, like you said, it evolves over time. Yeah, he won a yeah, what, Uh, two national championships, one, one title. I mean, so he didn't get all four years like some other guys in the past. But yeah, I mean, if he was going to go out, I mean, I'm sure he wanted to go out with a win in Shenandoah, but he couldn't have really done anything more uh, to than what he did uh, last Saturday for his team. So good for him. Wish him luck at wherever he he ends up. If it's in some kind of pro football or coaching or something, I'm sure he'll he'll stay close to the game. He, He certainly is one of the
0: D 3 players we've seen in a long time indeed uh, so good luck to him and uh, we'll, we'll stay uh, tuned to see what, what's next I have a feeling he's gonna land on his feet somewhere with uh, football uh, being the underscored part of that uh, equation later on we'll see uh, and then finally uh, Salisbury Hosting Muhlenberg uh, again, not a surprise because uh, they were in this. Uh, it was kind of the number one, number two scenario. We knew who the number one was at least in this bracket, and that was Salisbury. And so that well, was here's amazing. a funny question for you, Frank, because I actually got this from a fan: was if Muhlenberg
2: wins, do they host? And I was like, honestly, I'm not really sure. I I, I think they should. I mean, they look like the two seed. We know that North Central isn't a Two seed at least in theory if they won or if um delval wins they would be the lower seeded team so yes for those of you who are mules fans and who live in and around allentown i would think that yes you guys would host the national semifinals if your team advances but once again we'll have to wait until sunday to find out because we just don't really know for sure
0: Here's one uh, interesting eyeball issue. ESPN 3 has a certain lighting requirements for uh, that semifinal game, uh, and we've seen some of these things come, uh, creep up in the Secretary's Cup game at Coast Guard and at Merchant Marine Academy because their ability to light those areas is not easy because of the way those stadiums are not built, I guess, is uh, maybe the better way to say it. So um, Nielenberg would suffer from a similar issue, I think, ultimately, but be probably okay to host that. Uh, North Central, a bit more state-of-the-art mm-hmm. overall, and some people would claim that there would be the better atmosphere for it, but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Muhlenberg would host it, but you will hear people start to you know, complain probably about uh, Muhlenberg's facilities uh, compared to North Central's. Again, not how we determine it, and it's not supposed to be how we d- determine those things. Muhlenberg was essentially a two-seed. We're pretty clear in the uh, top part. Uh, they could have been a one. Uh, technically, I would say uh, Salisbury, and they were very, very close to the top uh, of the respective, some yeah. uh, you know, part of the bracket. On the bottom part, uh, it's you know number four in the North, uh, North Central. Those they are treated like they're number three in the North, kind of it seems like. And uh, Delval obviously uh, Muhlenberg would host ahead of Delval, and then the question is North Central ultimately. So, Muhlenberg win, and uh, you'll probably host in uh, a, a nice cold Pennsylvania at that point if I had a guess. JB, you want to yep. uh, run uh, some highlights here of the press conferences of uh, Union and Salisbury. First up, here's Union's highlights.
4: Uh, and his staff and his program. Um, they, uh, they are a terrific program, terrific team. Um, congratulate them and their players on advancing to the next round uh they they certainly uh played well today so um but on the flip side very proud of our guys you know from uh you know from where we we were when we got here uh four years ago you know george being a guy that was on an 0-10 team moving forward this season um i like where we're at i like where we're headed um i love our guys and uh, i think that proved today that there's no quit in them
6: uh i have a reminder just to make sure you guys talk to the mic whenever you guys are Answering questions, I'll
1: open it up to the uh, media for any questions. Coach, obviously you've got you know a strong group of returners. Obviously, obviously you know Will and uh, uh, Ike and several others. What does that impact of having them coming back next year mean for you?
4: Well, I think uh, you know they're going to be a year older. Will will be a senior. Uh, Andre will be a junior, and IK will be a junior, and uh, we're only graduating uh, a couple guys on offense. Um, Griffin Biela will graduate, Turner Genty and a couple other guys. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to uh, be able to build off, off where we're at right now. Um, and on the flip side, same thing on the defense. We're losing uh, quite a few uh, seniors that uh, that are impact players for us, but I really like where our guys are uh, in behind them and moving forward.
6: Uh, this is a question for Will. Uh, you set a record today from passing yards for Union. Um, was, was there something you guys saw in film that, you know, you could see that you could exploit in the Salisbury defense? Yeah, you know, after
2: analyzing the film, we, we figured out that their front seven were very stout. Uh, they are big, strong, fast kids, and we came in, um, and we said we are going to have to throw the ball to win.
1: And, uh, you know, we scored 41 points, weren't able to put it all together and come out with a W, but
3: I'm very f- proud of my offense.
0: Andre, uh, you had a heck of a game uh, throughout, the, especially first half. Second half, it seemed like you're going through some cold weather cramping. How are you feeling? And what was the result of all that happening in the second half to you? Um,
3: I feel like it was very detrimental. I wanted to finish the game with my my guys. Uh, we started the season great. Finished the season great. I feel bad that I wasn't able to finish, but um, I did all I can do. Uh, just got to take take care of my body more. George went up against that
6: option offense. Um, what was it, what did you see, you know, was it weird seeing the different motion and different uh, ways that uh, Salisbury runs the ball? Did, did the Springfield game help out in terms of preparation for that game for the Salisbury offense?
5: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We came into this game running the same defense that we started the game against Springfield with. Um, and we knew it was possible we would get out of that and get into some different fronts and some different looks and things of that nature. And we actually ended up doing that in the third quarter and it proved to be, um, pretty successful we, we were able to get some stops on the defensive end and uh you know when you game play against a team like that you look at them you got big tall strong physical players up front um you know and they fire off the ball and they have athletes back there I mean I guess I could shout out number one uh the fullback I thought when we looked at the tape we didn't think he was that good I mean he played a heck of a game and he was tough to bring down um so I thought he played an amazing game and Honestly, it was, it was uh, even though they put up sixty on us, it was still a, a lot of fun playing football. And uh, especially, a, yeah like Coach always says, it's a great day to be in touch. Mm-hmm.
1: Looks like you had to steal a shoe to try to stop him there. <laughs> saw that toss. The, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I couldn't time up. I guess he had a little, little bit. Came time. up, the second time. yeah. Came <laughs> up a couple times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Denari Robinson thing going. Uh, Coach, uh, congratulations on your, I believe, third. Um, perfect season regular season and of course the victory last week if you had something that you could have done differently today is there anything in the last 15 minutes since the game ended that you uh, wish you could have had ah, i think
4: you're always gonna wish you you know i calling the plays there was a couple you know calls i would have liked to have had back uh, for sure put will and andre in better positions to make the plays um, that's something I'll analyze in the off-season as we move forward and try to learn from it. Like I tell those guys, uh, you win some, you, you learn some, you know, and uh, we got to learn from this. Um, and we have to uh, improve as we move forward. That's what it's all about. It's moving forward, not moving back. Thank you. And again, congratulations. Thank guys. you. Thank you.
6: Is, is there anything you can build on this season? You know, it's your fourth season at Union. I got some kind of better each year. Um, what are you doing to, to build on this season?
4: Uh, you know, the, the, it'll it'll come back to senior leadership as, as always. You know, I thought we had great senior leadership this year uh, with George being a captain, Evan uh, Gilland and Griffin Beal, and uh, you know we'll, we'll look to our seniors moving forward. And you know, it's uh, it's college football, so it comes down to recruiting as well. You know, we got to blend in some new uh, some new faces, some new bodies, bring them in here to to play with Andre and Will uh, and the other guys. Uh, you know, and but you know, I, I looked out there, we had two freshmen starting on the D line today. Uh, we had a freshman starting at receiver. Um, we had a freshman starting the right tackle, so uh, I like that moving forward uh, as we uh, as we go out and recruit now.
0: Well, uh, it seemed like uh, the team after the game wasn't what I would call upset I mean obviously there was a little bit of a, a fracas that developed after the game but after that point, the team seemed overall spirited uh, union did um, is was this kind of a fun game and despite the result was this something you're going to be able to build on and andre as well coming back george obviously is graduating but uh you guys coming back how do you how do you kind of look back at this game i know you're only a few minutes outside of it right now but how do you look back at this now
6: uh
2: i think we like coach said we can for sure build off of it um kind of been a run heavy offense all season long and relied on the legs of i.k earboard and i think uh you know our athletes on the outside. My receivers got to showcase their abilities today, um, and you know, I'm gonna miss Griffin Beal number 13. Gets a hell of a player, hell of a leader. Um, had a blast playing with him. But like coach said, we had a freshman that came in the game and stepped
1: up. Uh, Andre will be back, and you know going into next season, I think we proved today that we can. We're here to throw the football too.
0: Okay, and uh, up next, Salisbury's, we do ask uh, Jack Lanham about uh, what developed there. Not much of an answer. You'll see uh, what I mean by that. Uh, it kind of was a brush-off answer. Didn't want to talk about it. Fine, we're not talking about it any further. Just wanted to kind of key in here to tell you what that question was.
3: We won. <laughs> That's the bottom line. We're, we're pleased to be advancing, no doubt about it. Uh, obviously, it was a uh, hard-fought game. Uh, I thought uh, I'd give you some credit for uh, executing very well, especially from the offensive side of things. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we did what we need to do offensively as well, and our defense did enough to stop them in, in, in very important situations. So uh, it was a team effort. Uh, we did some good things on special teams. That's good did a good job as far as uh, coverage. Uh, we had a couple of nice pump returns as well that put us in position to do some other things. So you know it's playoff football, and uh, you, you know you the more you advance, you're going to face good teams, and good teams are going to face us. So. Uh, that's basically what happened today. You know, overall, you know, it was a it's a dog fight, but at the end, we prevailed. All right. Up to Any questions? Just make sure you guys talk to the mic whenever you
6: guys answer your
0: questions. Coach, if I told you you were going to give up 41 points today and win the game, what would you have told me? And what does it make you feel about your defense as you start advancing on right now? I know last week you gave up zero, but obviously there's an escalation of competition here. How do you feel about the defensive uh, performance today over? I am a little
3: surprised, you know. Honestly, we uh, didn't anticipate that. We we knew they executed well uh, as far as their uh, timing routes. Uh, we we definitely. I mentioned to the team last night. I thought uh, uh, thirteen was he was their MVP. You know, he he was a pretty good pretty good guy. I thought we needed to be a little more physical on the other receiver on, on Andre. Uh, and we didn't do that even the opportunities that we had a chance to jam him. We did not do that and uh, But we made them work, you know, because they was going down a lot You know, and they physically after they caught the ball. They felt it and I think that paid off down the road You know, especially in the fourth quarter. So hey hats off to them uh, I mean they have two 6'3 wide receivers. I will use them to perfection. Uh, I thought they uh, Defensively we didn't get set up fast enough I thought, uh, and we just weren't honestly used to that fast paced execution and uh, the timing routes was pretty good. Uh, so, uh, no, I, I would, uh, you know, I thought they'd put some points on the board, but I didn't imagine 41 points.
6: Sean, I got one for you, bud. Um,
2: earlier in the beginning of the game, it looked like it was a little shaky from the start trying to be able to cover Andre, but the second half, you kind of turned it on, able to get those two picks. Uh, what changed during halftime for you? what do you tell yourself in order to, I mean, I guess,
1: play a little bit better? Well, uh, as a team, we were able to just come together and just calm like our nerves. Mm-hmm. And we were able to think apart like, what they were doing. And we made a switch. I, I went back to safety. And the guys that stepped in, Troy Garrity came in, played, uh, he played great. And then um, back in safety, it just felt good being back there and just being able to read the coverage more. And uh, the guys up front really uh, they put more pressure on the quarterback in the second half, which just force them to air
0: it out and then just throw a couple of balls. Jack, uh, first half, uh, it seemed like it was a passing fest going on, at least for the touchdowns. Then you guys seemed to revert into the run. For you, what do you think was the most important aspect of the, your offense today? The pass game, the rush game, and why?
5: Uh, I think it was everything because the rush game sets out the passes, and when we start to own the ball, they have to respect that and play back and that opens it up to run the ball. So, I mean, basically, our philosophy is we're just going to take what they give us. Um, I think early in the first, overthrew two passes that were pretty open, and so we may I don't know that we were going to come back to that, um, but honestly, I give the coaches the credit. They put us in a great position to be successful, and the guys around me executed well. So.
0: Okay, follow up at the end of the game. You, uh, you were seen waving to the bench. Yeah. Some things happened afterward. Would you like to give kind of your assessment of what happened there and say anything to Union on the positive side you might not have been able to after the game?
5: Um, I mean, they're a tough team, and I was just really excited that we won. Um, really, I'm just looking forward to this week, and uh, I think it will probably be Muhlenberg. Um, it, is. But it is. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Um, but, yeah, unions they were a tough team, and I give
1: them a lot of credit. Thanks. Easier question, Jack. Um, you got things started with Prue, beginning of the game. You were like an um, escapability factor through the roof. Uh, you just seemed to have that extra sense somebody was around you today. Were you just in the zone in the passing department?
5: Uh, well, we knew we could throw the ball over top today. Um, it just required us to get back there and have time to throw it because they played at the box a lot. So, we knew on the first drive, we could throw one over their heads. Third it just, play, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just, that. Um, when they're blitzing people, you just gotta, I know that the
1: receiver's gonna be up, but I just gotta find time to throw to them. Proving a nice catch and run. Uh, Mike Ryan Mofor, uh, you <laughs> must like the playoffs, uh, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, over 100 yards, touchdowns, nobody <laughs> tackling you. Today, touchdowns over 100 yards, your shoes falling off. <laughs> you didn't wanna go down, you're liking these extra games after the regular season, aren't you? Yeah, cause um, I guess, we're more in rhythm right now, mm-hmm. so you have
6: extra games, extra practices, so we just more repetition, so right now it's just basically just doing what
1: we're doing at practice in the game. On that last touchdown, you really, really wanted that one. Oh yeah. You just were an, a beast on that drive. Yeah, because I had to do it, I, I called it, so I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You backed up, you yeah. backed it up, congratulations Mike Brown. <laughs>
0: Okay, appreciate uh, everyone there, Coach Wood and uh, Cyril Parham, and everybody uh, out there, appreciate it. Dustin Johnson was the site rep, appreciate him at uh, William Patterson. They came in there, uh, kind of spent his Thanksgiving weekend uh, being a site rep for a little while, and uh, he's appreciated. So, uh, and uh, Coach Beerman, who actually messaged me the, cleaning out the locker room on Saturday night at midnight, he found my tripod case from Ithaca that I'd lost Apparently they had accidentally oh, picked funny. it up. He took a picture and he's like, I think I found your tripod case. So if you think that these coaches don't get down to brass tacks in their own programs, the fact that he knew to even suggest that that was mine and found it himself is it just hilarious to me. Thanks to him for that. And thanks to the union uh, fans who were just a lot of fun to be around uh, during pregame and postgame on Saturday. That's going to be an interesting program next year, to say the least. They do lose some great uh, players uh, graduating off, but they've got a lot of guys mm-hmm. coming back, and uh, that the core of their offense is probably the crux of what's coming back there. We'll see how 2020 goes for them. Final thoughts for this episode, sir? Yeah, just we'll
2: see if uh, we'll see if we get any defense in in the next round because <laughs> there there was only a couple of games that had it, so we, we're down to the, the last four games of the season basically right uh so it's getting down to the, the final the, the elite eight as it were and uh should be a great weekend of football we we'll
0: look forward to see who ends up in the uh the national semifinals after this weekend okay my earpiece just fell for the 18th time today so i think that means that it's time for us to End this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're better off. Just don't listen to me. You're fine. Uh, anyway, we'll see you on Wednesday, um, we'll, including a Coach Nate Milne interview that we'll have, among other things. Uh, we have some player interviews, too, we hope, uh, for Wednesday's show. So stay tuned uh, for our uh, tail of the Tape comparisons for the quarterfinals coming up in just a few days. Uh, this show is on Wednesday, though. Thanks, folks.